become a nightmare Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town Like a cancer that's silently spreading There's an unspoken fear We're on our way down We must eat America back Main Street to Wall Street Cities and states Washington, D.C. That's wrong. That's wrong for sure. Welcome. Broadcasting from my home studio in downtown Belmont, Pennsylvania, worldwide as National Intel Report, live on Republic Broadcasting Network, Liberty Lighthouse on Mojo Five O Radio, Patriot Nation Radio Network, and any place else you see or hear the show. I'm Peter Seraphine. I'm your host for the next two hours of common sense and constitutional discussion. Got two guests planned for this evening. At the bottom of this first hour, roughly 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, if you're watching or listening live, we got retired Colonel Mike Ford, the managing editor of American Free News Network. And then at the top of the second hour, roughly 7 o'clock Eastern Time, if you're watching or listening live, we got Paul Engel from ConstitutionStudy.com. He's got one of my favorite podcasts, I have to say. It's just called The Constitution Study. And I like his take. I like his view. And that's why I reached out and asked him to come on the show. And he's been back once a month ever since. He was supposed to be on last week, but time zone thing, we got messed up. So he's coming on this week. Presuming we don't have the same step, the same problem. Don't forget, you can still enter to win books at liberty-alighthouse.com. Big blue button right at the top of the homepage. It says win a book. Real uh, cryptic there. Click that button, fill out the little form. And I will give away books. I don't think I'm going to do it every week anymore. I might do it once a month. Give out a bunch once a month or something like that. I don't know. But anyway, liberty-lighthouse.com. Click the big blue win a book button. This is a live call-in show. So if you have something that you would like to discuss, questions, comments, concerns, criticisms, critiques, compliments, any of the above, you can call 512-248-8252. And if you don't want your voice on the radio, but you still want to say something, you can text that to me at 64, my rights, at 646-974-4487. A lot going on in the world. Most of it I don't care about. One thing going on, I have an idea. And it's going to require a little explanation. See, you look at the Constitution. The Constitution said that Washington, D.C., the district, not more than 10 miles square, so 10 miles by 10 miles, so 100 square miles, shall be the seat of government of the United States. Now, our framers did that because they did not want any one state to house the capital or be in control of the capital. So they created this idea of a district that was not a state, that would be governed directly by Congress. Okay. So originally, a little bit of land was seceded from Virginia, and a little bit of land was, was succeed, seceded from Maryland to create the 100 mile square or 100 square miles. 
But at some point, we decided, you know, we don't really need the Virginia side of the river. We're, that's where Arlington National Cemetery is, for example. At some point, government decided, we don't need that to be part of the capital and gave back the Virginia side to Virginia. On the Maryland side is where all of Washington, D.C. is now. And if you look at a map of it, there's a, well, a pretty concentrated area known as the National Mall. It's kind of a cross-shaped area that houses most of the government buildings. The White House at the top of one side of the cross and the Capitol building and Supreme Court on the far right side of the bottom of the cross. My idea is this. Why don't we shrink Washington, D.C. again and just go down to the National Mall? See, the people in Washington, the people that live in Washington, D.C., they've got a legitimate gripe, a legitimate complaint. They don't have voting representation in Congress. Yeah, they get a vote or two or whatever they get in the Electoral College. They have a non-voting member in the House of Representatives. They don't get proper representation compared to the rest of us. And why do we need all, why, why does the capital of our country need to be a city anyway? If we shrink it down to just the National Mall, just the main portions of our federal government, the main buildings, that eliminates all of the residential areas. And all of the citizens that live in those residential areas would become citizens of Maryland again. Give all that that land back to Maryland. Then, the only people in D.C. would be the first family and the live-in caretakers at any of these buildings, any of these government buildings. They don't need representation in Congress. They can get rid of that one voting member or one non-voting member. Probably get rid of the one of the get, get rid of the, the electoral college votes too, honestly. That might require a constitutional amendment. But we can we could shrink DC down to just the National Mall by simple act of Congress. That doesn't have to be a constitutional amendment. That helps the residents there. Helps them a lot. They become part of Maryland. They have a state legislator again. They don't have to go through Congress for all of their rules and laws. Now that's going to turn Maryland even more blue than it already is, but the people there would get a vote. And D.C. gets smaller. And, quite frankly, less of our tax money as a nation would go to managing Washington, D.C. Now, I've had this thought for quite a while. Probably since they started the, the push to make D.C. a state. Which is insane. It's clearly unconstitutional to make Washington, D.C. a state. Constitution says a district 
not more than 10 miles square, which shall be made by the secession of land from other states. So it's not a state. Can't be a state. But shrink it down and all of those people get state rights again. Now, I had this idea, came up with it several years ago as an argument against making D.C. a state. But I think it kind of holds true for Israel, too. Israel, Jerusalem. Hear me out. Whether you like it or not, the Jews have lived in Israel, Jerusalem, and lived in that area thousands of years. They've been conquered by different people, and it's been, you know, it's part of the Ottoman Empire for a while. It's been, you know, but Jews have always lived there. They probably always will live there. Okay. It was a pretty crappy thing to do after World War II to take the the one spot, Jerusalem, which is the home of three of the world's religions, and give it to one religion and say, this land, you know, hey, the Jews need a safe space to call their own. Okay. We in the Western world, we're just going to carve out this land and give it to them. Now, historically, the West does not do well in the Middle East when we draw boundaries. The Sykes-Picot Agreement after World War I is still a disaster over a century later. And quite honestly... A lot of the turmoil and strife and war that has gone on in the Middle East for the last hundred years is our fault, our our being the Western world. Sykes-Picot was ridiculous. It was the leaders of Europe drawing on a map what parts are going to go, hey, France, you're going to manage this territory, and hey, England, we're going to manage this territory, and just drawing lines on a map and deciding who got what after the fall of the Ottoman Empire. But the people in Europe that were drawing those lines, they they didn't pay any attention to, well, the the culture of the people there. You look at Iraq, for for example, it's the Sunni in one part and the Shiite in in another part. And like, it's, it's a hodgepodge of different cultures that are forced to live together under one country because of something the Western world decided to do. It's kind of what happened in Israel. The Western world decided that we wanted to give Israel their homeland, give the Jews their homeland. I don't think that was a good idea, or it wasn't wasn't done well. I'll put it that way. Because they've been at war ever since. It's been, what, 70 years now? 80 years? It's been constant war. Just like after Sykes-Pico, it's been constant war. So, you know, Israel was created in, was it 45 or whatever? They've been at war. I think a better idea would have been to take just Jerusalem. 
take Jerusalem and make it its own independent, kind of like the Vatican, a city-state that stand alone, just Jerusalem. But because Jerusalem is home of three of the world's religions, make it managed and run by a, a board of, I don't know, two people from each of those three religions. Two Christians, two Jews, two Muslims. To run Jerusalem. Make it so that nobody can stop one of the other religions from coming and seeing the birthplace of their of their faith. Seeing the the wailing wall or whatever it may be. Now part of the reason that I have this idea because I'm tired of the United States being involved in foreign wars. We've been involved in wars in the Middle East my whole life. And I don't like that. I don't think it's any of our business in the United States what's going on over there. And I think every time, <coughs> pardon me, every time the Western world tries to make things better, we do nothing but make it worse. So why don't we minimize that? Set aside Jerusalem as uh, kind of like the Switzerland, completely neutral, and defend Jerusalem. In Israel, as a nation, whatever happens, happens. Quite honest, we need something kind of like the Ottoman Empire again. We need something that a loose power structure, a loose governance over the whole region. I don't know how they did it. I don't know how the Ottoman Empire lasted for as long as it did with all of these different clashing organizations and affiliations within it, but they, they managed it somehow. We in the Western world have nothing, nothing but mess it up. Now, my friend Jamil across the street, he's half Iraqi. And he would say that, well, there's a lot of people over there that still consider themselves Persian, even though Persia hasn't existed in a while. Okay. We can't understand it here in our country. What goes on over there between these different clashing, I don't even know what to call them, sects, I guess, these different sects that are at each other's throats. But to, to think about it, it's like you know the Sunni and the Shia, they're both Muslims. That's kind of like, you know, the the Catholics and the Baptists going after each other. Hamas and Hezbollah, one Sunni, one Shia. We don't get that. We don't have that here. 
We can't possibly understand it. It's not part of our culture. So why do we keep interfering at all? Now, I'm a little isolationist. And I acknowledge that. I I realize that. I look at it like George Washington's farewell address when he warned us to stay out of foreign entanglements. People will say, well, that was 230 years ago. Yeah? You don't think they had foreign entanglements back then? In the 18th century? Of course they did. They had trade agreements with different countries. They had, you know, allied mutual defense agreements with different countries. They had trade problems with other countries. I mean, the first war the United States declared was the Barbary War against the Barbary pilots, pirates, pilots, the Barbary pirates. As soon as we declared independence from England, we lost the protection of England. It didn't take long before the Barbary pilots, pirates, realized that and started attacking American ships in the Mediterranean, demanding tribute. So foreign entanglements have been around forever. And Washington's warning to avoid foreign entanglements, something that we have definitely not been listening to. world's going to crap. And because the world's going to crap, you need right to bear insurance. You need carry insurance. If you own a firearm, and you should, if you carry that firearm, and you should, you need carry insurance. Because in the, in the unlikely event, the unfortunate event, that you might have to use your firearm, there's a really good chance that you're going to be sued, arrested, charged with a crime, even if you didn't do anything wrong, even if you used your weapon in self-defense. That's where carry insurance, like right-to-bear insurance, comes in. Right-to-bear insurance is the most affordable carry insurance on the market, starting at just $11 a month. I was a member of right-to-bear long before I brought him on as a sponsor. So I tell you this because... It's not me just trying to make a buck. It really is a good product. So go to protectwithbear.com and use code Lighthouse while you're there. I'll save you 10% off. Protectwithbear.com. Use code Lighthouse. This is radio for we the people. Liberty Lighthouse. Now, I'm a little surprised that I just spoke about ideas of what my thoughts about both the District of Columbia and the idea of a separate independent Jerusalem and the phone line didn't just explode. Rather surprised. Maybe you didn't hear me earlier when I said this is a live call-in show and you can call in at 512-248-8252. I'm not interested in discussing, you know, the Jews are bad or Hamas is bad. I'm, I'm really not interested in getting into that fight with anybody. War is bad. 
and that region has been at war since the Western world inserted itself and drew those boundaries. So, I thought the idea of a completely independent Jerusalem seemed pretty reasonable to me. But only Jerusalem. Maybe Jerusalem and a you know, one mile radius around it or something like that. I thought that was pretty ingenious. What do you think? I don't know. One of the things I plan to talk about tonight with uh, Paul Engel in the second hour is I, I want to talk about the Speaker of the House thing going on. Jim Jordan failed to vote twice and uh, apparently has stepped aside. Now there's a call to make, was it McHenry, a temporary Speaker of the House and give him the power. That's kind of iffy. I don't like that. I don't like the idea of anybody being appointed to that job. By the rules, they're supposed to be elected. And as we've seen before with Washington, D.C., and with government in general, yeah, allow them to get away with something once. They're going to find excuses to do it again. So if we let these folks in D.C., appoint a Speaker of House who does not get elected by the House. They're going to look for reasons to do that in the future. So they need to elect one. I sort of kind of like the idea of Jim Jordan doing it. But that's not going to happen. I didn't, I never did like McCarthy. He just felt like a swamp creature to me. I don't know. Maybe I've, I've been off of work for a couple of days, and to be quite honest, I haven't been paying that close of attention to the news, so maybe I missed something. We do need to elect a speaker. Or they're going to use that as more of an excuse why they can't pass a budget later. Remember, they passed a 45-day continuing resolution. They still have to pass the appropriations bills. They can't do that until they have a Speaker of the House. And I don't know. Is it a bad thing that Washington can't do anything anymore? After all, I, I think the, the First Amendment should have ended with Congress shall make no law, period. Stop, end of sentence. And uh, that's kind of how I feel about it. And they can't make a law as long as there's no Speaker of the House. They can't make law. That means they can't can't keep wasting our money. Can't keep taking our rights away. But that also means that they can't do the things that we actually want them to do. They can't pass laws to, I don't know, secure the southern border, for example. So we do need a speaker. I don't know who, who else is interested in the job. It's not a job I would want. I don't know who's there that would. Steve Scalise couldn't, didn't make it. He dropped out. McCarthy says he doesn't want it. He's not running again. Jim Jordan tried twice. He didn't make it. Now he's supposedly dropped out. Who's left? Is there anybody that could get enough votes? 
I don't think anybody on anybody I would agree with politically could possibly pass and get enough votes to make speaker. It's probably going to be another middle-of-the-road establishment Republican kind of person. Exactly what we don't need. But it's probably the only way we're the only type of person who can possibly get the votes needed to get elected. We do need somebody to get elected. Hey, it's break time. Be back in three minutes, hopefully on the other side of the break. If all things work well, Colonel Mike Ford from American Free News Network. and the two controlling political parties are destroying America. Both parties have spent your tax dollars with reckless abandon. Both parties are more beholden to party leadership than we, the people that they represent. Both parties value power above all else. Neither party respects the limits of the U.S. Constitution. The U.S. Constitution made this country great, and it's the U.S. Constitution that is the answer to our political woes. Forget the two ruling political parties and register as a constitutionalist. Support the U.S. Constitution, the just and moral society it creates, and not the two-party system. Join the only national political party that stands for the founding principles of the U.S. Constitution. Learn more, join and support the Constitution Party at constitutionparty.com or your state's Constitution Party website. It's uh, Peter Serafine, your host here on National Intel Report Thursday night, host of Liberty Lighthouse. Don't forget, we on the right side of the political aisle don't get help from algorithms. The only way we get our voices heard is when you go out there and share our content. So do us a favor. Help us out. Support this network. Support the shows that you like. Use their promo codes. Buy their merchandise. Buy my book, A More Tyrannical King. How the federal government has become more oppressive than King George. It's my latest book. Got another one. Actually started working on two more now. Uh, Can't ever turn my brain off. You know, I work full time and I do this and I write a blog article every week. And uh, I just, I don't have time to be doing all of this stuff. But I keep doing it because I love our country and I want to save it somehow. Over in the video chat room, Chris said uh, he's disgusted and disappointed in our representatives that can't come together to vote on a speaker. Seems to me that there's no integrity and honesty in the House. It is now the House of ill repute. I agree, Chris. But are you surprised? I'm not. Hopefully, hopefully it's a a good sign, though. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's the straw that breaks the camel's back kind of thing. All these things keep going wrong, and maybe it'll help fix stuff. Uh, let's see here. We got uh, on the phone lines. Lines are still open, by the way. 512-248-8252. 
we got uh, Aaron in Kentucky on line one. Hey, Pete. Uh, great show tonight. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for letting me call in. Can you still hear me? I, yeah. yeah, I hear you. I'm sorry. sorry I was I was reading a text from our guest who apparently is not going to be joining us for this this segment. Colonel Mike Ford is out of town, and he forgot to tell me. Anyway, oh, well, what's up, Aaron? Well, uh, I had a couple of things I wanted to bring up about the uh, what you were talking about with D.C. and with Israel. You know, back when January 6th happened, we saw everybody saying that it was an attack on democracy. Right. And it was an attack on the seat of democracy, and it was an attack on our country, et cetera, et cetera. And you could see the value that the Congress put in themselves and the authority and the uh, the hubris that they had for themselves because... They put fences up around the Capitol to protect the senators and the congressmen while they were certifying the election to ensure that nothing, no other incursions would happen. Yet, and then left them up. Orders are open for months. Yeah, and uh, and and but yet our borders are open, and they're not willing mm-hmm. to do anything. Now recently we've had some lip service paid. To, you know, Trump is right. We need to put up a wall, et cetera, et cetera. But. They, they really. Uh, look, they, wait a minute. Wait a minute. They absolutely will not say Trump was right. They're say, what they're saying is we have to do it. The money's been allocated, and we can't get them to reapportion it anywhere else. So we have to spend the money and put up the wall. Oh darn. <laughs> yeah, true, true. You're right on that. Uh, it's almost like a tacit uh, approval of what Trump had been saying for years. Um, mm-hmm. But even 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 so, when they were saying that this was a, an attack on the seat of democracy, they placed themselves above the people by saying, we're more important, we need to be protected from these crazy people that want to stand up and voice their opinions against an election that had so many anomalies that more people were concerned than we had seen in the past. Right. So they, they obviously don't realize that the, their power derives from the consent of the governed. Oh, no, they forgot the that a long time ago. What's that? They forgot that a long time ago. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's just, we, we, we know all these things. We, we see these things. We know that they've forgotten it. But to, to see it on display, I don't want to say validates those who have been, like yourself, who have been saying that we're the, the people in Congress and in our government in general have no fidelity to the Constitution whatsoever. But we mm-hmm. start to see these things come to pass where it's so blatant in, in front of us. And we yet people still don't seem to realize the necessity and the uh, the empowerment that each of us citizens have to stand up against this uh, this tyranny that we have in the federal government. You know, I hear all the time, like you know, I, uh, I'm a nobody. What can I do? Like my, I'm one vote. Uh, what what can I do? And it's it's BS. We all have a voice, and you're never one voice or one vote. Talk, you have a voice. You can talk to your neighbors. You can talk to your friends. You can write letters to the editor. You can write to your Congress people. You can show up at your town hall meetings and your school board meetings, and you can do. There's a lot you can do. Yeah, yeah, and the operative word there is do. There, I, there, there are a lot of people that don't want to do, you know, right. and, and unfortunately... If we if we settle down into the seat of uh, or into the the escape clause that we built into our own selves that we we're just one lone voice we can't say anything or do anything 
then we get what we've got. We, we get what we deserve. And uh, hopefully, and we, we've seen the tide turning. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm uh, on the Trump train as, as far as him being the supreme uh, uh, uniter of all of these uh, conservative viewpoints. But we've definitely seen a turn in the past six years, seven years, uh, where people are now realizing that they do have a voice and they can stand up. But we'll have to see if that, if that comes to fruition, if people will actually put their pen to paper or their feet to the concrete and actually do something and pick up their mantle and take on their God-given responsibility and their duty to stand up for liberty and justice. Yeah, and... and it's not only will they stand up and do something, it's will they continue to stand up when a few of them get thrown in jail? Because oh, yeah. that's going to be, that's going to happen. I mean, yeah, and, and it is happening. We see that with January 6th. We see that with the gentleman that was just recently sentenced to seven months for sharing a meme about Hillary Clinton. I mean, what, I mean, that, that to me it is yet another brick in the wall to quote the, uh, the great, uh, contemporary theologian, uh, Roger Waters, that we are just continually seeing these bricks in the wall build up and and take away our democracy, our, our, our representative republic. And, and I don't care what anybody thinks about any of the people that did whatever they did on January 6th. There are prisoners still in jail for now over a thousand days that have yet to stand trial. That Right is un-American. Even a, a mass murderer should be tried faster than that. Agreed. They're sending a message. The whole point but of this is to send a message. Definitely. And now the other point, uh, just to jump to it, when you were talking about um, Israel and and Israel being um, a, a place where three of the world's major religions meet. Uh, you were talking there about just turning that into a, a place for each of those religions to have their own plot of land. My question is, who determines that? Who determines no, 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 that, that not, land performance? Not their own plot. Not their own plot. My thought is, section off you know, the, the city of Jerusalem or, or a region around Jerusalem or something like that, and let it be governed by a board of representatives of all three religions. Not They don't each get a third of it. Collectively, the three religions get this this area. Well, I mean, I, I I'm not sure if that uh, because that 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 solution is still has the issues that we're facing now. I mean, could you imagine a board of Jews and Muslims trying to talk about who gets uh, rights and who is um, who gets say so on what happens to Jerusalem? I mean, the, the Dome of the Rock has been a center point of contention with all of that that's going on there, especially in evangelical Christianity, which that's a completely different topic to get into. But the, the Dome of the Rock and, and that area in Jerusalem, I, I just don't see. I think we, just, we still have with that the same exact problems we have right now. Who's going to be on the board? Who's going to elect the board? Who's going to listen to the board? You know, because even though Israel has made many concessions over the years, and this is no defense of them at all, um, even though they've made many concessions over the years and given places uh, like the Gaza Strip and other places to uh, the Palestinians over time, we still have the conflict that we have right now. 
Right. Uh, I, I believe that it, it, it would cause the same issues. I'm not sure that there's any solution uh, for that because that would still that that decision of that board would be to me seems like uh, based on the religion and not on the actual governance of the uh, of the land outside of their personal beliefs and their uh, and their uh, sacred scriptures. Well, I was looking at it more like the three of them have to agree well enough to uh, to get anything done. Otherwise, nobody gets anything. It's it's kind of like our dysfunctional government now, where if they don't don't agree, then nothing gets done. If you can't get you know yeah. half or whatever the vote, whatever rules they set for themselves. Um, but yeah, I I was looking at it like don't get rid of. You don't need a whole country. We, the Western world, should never have carved out a country in the Middle East and said, hey, this is for the Jews. That that was just wrong. Oh, yeah, I agree, especially external governments deciding what people in their own land do, because I know that here in the United States, we wouldn't stand for that. We wouldn't stand for a global uh, government or any other type of land, uh, any other country dictating to us you know, for instance, this has been brought up a lot. I've made the point myself. Um, we had the, the indigenous peoples here in the United States long before it was the United States. Some people say mm-hmm. for six to 10,000 years or more. Uh, how would we feel if a, you know, a governing body, even if it was elected by a small minority here in the country, uh, how would we feel if a governing body came up and said, okay, Minnesota and Wisconsin and, um, you know, other states are now going to be sectioned off and those are going to be places that are inhabited and run by a tribal government only for them. Anybody who's not under that tribal government will either have to submit themselves to it or leave. We wouldn't stand for that. You know? And over there in the Middle East, it is so it is so heavily based on each religion's scriptures or their interpretation of those scriptures saying that they have a right to that land, a God-given right to that land. And to be honest, anybody who throws God behind their cause has now trumped anybody else because they're, they're now dying for something than themselves or fighting for something that's more uh, valuable or more important than just uh, whether or not we're going to be able to have a, a, you know, a just and fair election. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, like I said, it's, it's been a, uh, a, a bad idea every time that our government has ever, I'm sorry, not ours, anytime the Western world has tried to insert themselves and, and, and do anything in the Middle East, it's never turned out well. So, you know, extricate ourselves from it. Set up a system and, and say, look, we acknowledge that these three religions all originated in this particular area. You three have to work together in order to continuously allow pilgrims from all three of those religions to come visit the holy sites. Other than that, you know, Israel, fend for yourself or go away. Like, it's, the, the country was was set up poorly from the beginning, but it has existed for 80 years. So, I don't know, like, it's kind of like Ukraine. The civil war between Ukraine and Russia has been going on for hundreds of years. Why is it now a problem with the, from the Western world? Hey, look, Colonel Ford joined us. Welcome to the show, Colonel. Yeah, yeah, I got lost on the way to my computer today. My apologies. I'm here. 
Well, we've got Aaron on the phone, and and we were uh, kind of discussing. I I had profited a a potential solution to the Israeli mess. Well, not even a solution, just a way for us to get out of it, us the Western world to get out of the problem. And we've talked about a bunch of stuff. Anything else you got for us, Aaron? No, that's it. I appreciate you letting me push my opinion for you to keep up the great work. I greatly appreciate your call. Thank you, sir. Colonel Mike Ford. (laughs) Welcome back in studio. Retired Colonel Mike Ford, managing editor of American Free News Network. Good evening, Colonel Ford. Good evening. Thanks for having me on. How are you doing today? Oh, fan freaking tastic. <laughs> I, I would like to hear your thought about the idea that I proffered earlier. See, I've long had this idea that Washington, D.C. should be shrunk down to just the National Mall and the buildings at the edges, you know, the White House and the Capitol building, and the Supreme Court that are all on the National Mall, and the rest of it should all go back to Maryland. And that way, the whole people that don't have representation in Congress problem is solved because, hey, look, they're all Maryland citizens now. I've never understood how anybody can actually live in D.C. because it, that, that's supposed to be a federal enclave, right, not a place right. for people to live. It's supposed to be a place for people to work in government. So yeah, I, I, I never understood that to begin with. Which is kind of my gist is to, hey, let's just shrink it down to the, to the government parts. So that the only people that live there are like the first family and the caretaker, the, the, the overnight caretakers of the buildings. Sure. I agree. Well, I had I, that idea kind of morphed into, um, you know, I, I've often, I've said that the establishment of Israel was poorly done, just like the establishment of all the lines of the Sykes-Picot agreement after World War One, And every time the Western world tries to, accomplish anything in the middle east we don't understand their culture we don't understand their differences between their religions and we screw everything up so rather than establishing this big country of israel why doesn't like the you know the un or whoever whatever governing agency wants to say okay here's jerusalem this is the birthplace of three of the world's major religions Give me two, maybe three representatives of those three religions, and the six or nine of you get to manage Jerusalem as an, a completely independent like city-state, like like the Vatican, but just that. Nah. <laughs> Not buying it. Not buying it. Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. Israel is... is- not only a de facto, but a de jure country. It is an adult country. It's um, it's managing its affairs well. What is a child country or a provisional country is the uh, is is the Gaza Strip and the, and the and the Palestinian you know Palestine country. Your Palestinian there is not an ethnicity. It has no ethnic culture to itself. It's a made up construct of a bunch of folks that Jordan doesn't want to take, Egypt doesn't want to take, and none of the Arab world wants. Okay, they just use them as a foil against Israel. If we want to solve this problem, I've been working on on this little thing that I'm putting together. You know, what do, what do we do after the IDF goes in and cleans out Gaza? And uh, they cannot occupy it forever. They're going to have to occupy it for a period of time to clean it out. But then what? 
if they go back to Israel, okay, fine, it'll take a, uh, Hamas another 10 years to build up whatever they got to do. And uh, I think, I forget who said it, you know, the, uh, the Arab world can afford to fight and lose a war every 10, 20 years or so against Israel. The first war that Israel loses will be its last. So what we need to do is kind of solve that problem. And Donald Trump was on the way to doing that um, and in, in so many ways. But that's for another uh, discussion. What we need to do at the end of this, when, when uh, Israel has reduced Hamas, is there needs to be a commission led by Jordan and Egypt, who are the two, two Arab states that have the most skin in the game there. And what they need to do is lead a military occupation force that rules the Gaza Strip until that country can be an adult country again. So Jordan and Egypt would be the two primary players there and then other Arab nations that they invite in to help them with troops or whatever to police that area. And they'll be able to do things to Hamas and, and, and any other terrorists there that the Israelis cannot do because the Israelis operate on a much stricter rule, uh, rules of engagement than even our own army does. But when the Egyptians, if the Egyptians and the Jordanians and maybe the Saudis go in there or the Qataris go in there, to, as a combined force to manage the uh, the, uh, the Gaza Strip, then I guarantee you the terrorism will, will drop the zip. All right. Hold that thought. Sarah in Oregon, line three. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Everyone, this is Sarah Nichols. You know and we know that you need to help these algorithms because the legacy social media platforms don't do don't do diddly squat for us. Help help your fellow content creators share out the shows and use the promo codes and all that jazz. Thank you and goodbye. Thanks for your support, Sarah. Always a great, always a pleasure. Colonel, my problem is I don't want to be involved anymore. I'm tired of our money going over there. I'm tired of, we have been fighting in the Middle East since I can remember. My whole life we've been fighting in the middle east and if you look back at history there's been fighting in the middle east since the fall of the ottoman empire in world war one until 2016 yeah okay and then one of the things that trump did was he removed the pal the palestinian i have to use scare quotes because there's no such thing as palestinians and we need we need to recognize that fact he removed the palestinian veto to middle east peace once he said Sorry, you don't have a seat at the table. I'm talking to the Saudis. I'm talking to the Jordanians. Then all of a sudden we had the Abraham Accords. And what's the first thing that Biden did? He gets back in there and he says, no, the Palestinians have to have a seat at the table. And look where we are now. So what, the way we do this, the way we can extract ourselves is for, through going through trusted third parties that want to have a relationship with us because we're strong. Okay, and that, and that would be Egypt and Jordan. OK, those, those that's how, that's our entryway in there. And Saudi Arabia was about to jump on the, on the bus until they saw what a doddering, weak old fool our president is. Yeah. OK, but we could still recover this in, in, in 2024. But the way to fix this problem for the long term in, in Gaza is to have it policed by the Jordanians and the Egyptians, because they have just as big of skin in the game to keep terrorists uh keep terrorists uh, underfoot there well why doesn't israel just take it i mean if if, if you can they, take it, but then you have to occupy it 
Okay, and, and in order to occupy it, you're going to have to do some things that Israel can't get away with doing. We could barely get away with, but the Egyptians and the Jordanians have no problem. Okay. And that's and that's real politic right there. No, I'm just saying, you know, one of the spoils of war when when a well, they could, but then what are you going to do with all those people? You have to you have to make them part of your society. Once you take the land, you're re, you are responsible for the governance. Right. And, the, and and the people there do not want to be governed by Israel. Okay? It was that Israel did own the land previously, and in a no. land for peace, you know, the Palestinians, scare quotes again, said, if you give us some land, we'll leave you alone. And Israel gave them some land. Um, they were, uh, you know, forced into it, I forget, by Carter or Clinton, I forget which one, gave up the land, I forget what the date was. And, and now we've got, what we've got is a cesspool there. And the only way that you, they can keep, keep that tamp down and, or avoid having to go in there every 15 to 20 years is to, is to put some, uh, some better actors on the ground to police it. And to me, that says Egypt and Jordan, because they have the most to lose when, when the Palestinians turn, their way, turn away from Israel and start going after somebody else. Because once they, once they get rid of Israel, don't, don't think that they're, they're, they're going to stop there. Okay? That's just a, that's just a waypoint. You think? Because it oh, seems yes. to me everything, you know, everything I see is basically the Muslims just don't want a Jewish state in their in the midst in the middle of their arena. I've, I've got to say something nice about Jimmy Carter. He did the Camp David Accords, and for the first several years, relations between Egypt and Israel were coldly correct. After that. They, everybody did exactly what they were supposed to do according to the letter of the law. Up until about five minutes ago, okay, and, and, and it was accelerated by President Trump, Egypt and Israel had become partners, overt partners in going after te- terrorists. Israel and the Jordanians, overt partners. Saudi Arabia had given overflight rights on occasion to, to Israeli folks. Okay, They have get, had given regular overflight rights under Donald Trump to El Al. That's huge. Okay? So we we can make this work because there are there are Arab governments out there that really that really would rather deal with Israel than they would the Palestinians. You'll notice you you'll notice that Egypt isn't all that hot and bothered about the or excited about accepting Palestinian refugees. You notice right. that. Okay? Yeah, and neither is Jordan because they know that they will be a cancer on their on their government. And on on their on their security, I'm surprised we're not shipping them over here by the by the cargo ship full. Shh! Don't 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 give don't give the boneheads in the White House uh, any ideas. Look, honestly, this like I like I say about Ukraine, the 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 civil war between the Ukraine and and Russia has gone back and forth for hundreds of years. And, and Israel and the war between Israel and the, the Muslim states surrounding it has been going on since the Western world poked their finger in and said, let's make this part right here a Jewish state. Well, you got, you got to understand, though, that, you, that, that the Jews owned that land before anybody else did. Go look at all the history. No, no, no. The Jews occupied that land. The Jews occupied that land for thousands of years. That's but it right. was it was owned and operated and and managed by the Ottoman Empire for the last no no no, no. this is no, this, this was before before this predated the Ottoman Empire right 
They okay, were so conquered over and over and over okay. again, but they stayed there. Okay, but we conquered after the end of World War One. We conquered the Ottoman Empire, split Turkey off, and we got that chunk there. And then, you know, right of conquest. Now we get to decide how to divvy it up. The only right. thing, the only, the only real issue I had with how they divvied it up, and Sir Lawrence of Arabia, you know, made that same con- comment also. If you look there, there's an awful lot of straight lines there that don't go along that, you know, natural geographic mm-hmm. features. And a straight line on a map across desert doesn't mean anything to Bedouins that go back and forth all over the place. Right. So well, that's what I said. That's what I said about about the Sykes Pico agreement. When we sure. divided up afterwards, we paid no attention to the the ethnic divisions of the region. We paid no attention to the geographic divisions of the region. We just drew lines. We, the Western world, drew lines and said, hey, this is now Iraq. You're a country. Never mind the fact that there's three different groups of ethnicities that you just circled into that that don't get along, and now you expect them to manage a country together. And the only way to do that is with a strong man that we deposed. Right. We'll prop them up for a couple of years, and then we'll yep. depose them later. Yeah. We, the Western world, need to get out. Let them, let them fight amongst themselves and do whatever it is that they're going to do. It's none of our business. Well, with one, with one exception, we also have a, we have a, a, a moral ob- obligation and a biblical obligation to support the state of Israel. So. I see. I, I would agree that we have a, a biblical obligation to support the people of Israel. I don't think we have a biblical ob- obligation to defend a, ca- a country that we just kind of drew a line on a map ourselves. Well, we'll have to tear up, tear, tear the top off a bottle of scotch and argue that one another time. <laughs> hey, it's break time. We're going to be back in three minutes on the other side of the break. I should have uh, Paul Engel from ConstitutionStudy.com joining us. We'll see. They're one of those kind of nights. Three minutes. I'm Peter Serafine, and So Simple Even a Politician Can Understand is my latest book. It is a book of simple ideas that would go a long way towards fixing some pretty big problems in our government. It is an easy-to-read short book that uses common sense, something seriously lacking in our government. Order your copy for less than $10 wherever books are sold or at liberty-lighthouse.com slash books. The American dream has become a nightmare. Signs of the time are on cardboard on corners in town. Like a cancer that's silently spreading, there's an unspoken fear. We're on our way down. We must eat. 
Welcome back to the top of the second hour of National Intel Report, live on Republic Broadcasting Network, Liberty Lighthouse on Mojo 5 Radio, Patriot Nation Radio Network, and anywhere else you happen to find the program. We now have retired Colonel Mike Ford, managing editor of American Free News Network, and Paul Engel from ConstitutionStudy.com, helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity through the That's right. study. <clears throat> Welcome. Thanks for joining us tonight, Paul. Glad I could make it. <laughs> well, for, with you, I want to talk about this whole uh, Speaker of the House mess, but the colonel down here, uh, he had some more Israel solution ideas that he wanted to toss around on air and see if we can't get a call or two. So this being a live call-in show, we got the phone line open at 512-248-8252. If you don't want to be on air but you still want to make a comment, you can text that to me at 64 my rights. That's 646-974-4487. So go ahead, Colonel. Let's let's hash out this idea that you have. Hey, Paul. Uh, one of the things I was talking to Pete about in the previous segment is sooner or later – the uh, IDF is going to go in there. They're going to clean house on, on the Gaza Strip. And then we got the then what? They don't want to get into a long-term occupation because as soon as the, uh, as soon as the rem- remnants of, of Hamas recover from the shock and awe, then they're going to start throwing firebombs and everything in, in, in Israel. And the IDF is going to be uh, locked into this you know, house-to-house stuff. And, and they just really don't want to be, be there. Um, it's kind of, kind of like the, uh, the Brits in Northern Ireland. And what I was kind of proposing is, uh, and I'd like your input on this, is get people with skin in the game. And Israel is not the only one with skin in the game as far as Palestinian terrorists. Okay? Egypt is another one with skin in the game, and so is Jordan. And if we could get a group led by Egypt and Jordan and get them to commit forces to police that place after the IDF leaves, and then, then those two countries get other Arab countries to help them, they can keep the Palestinian problem under control. And they're the ones that really need to solve it to begin with, because they're not allowing Palestinians in their countries for very good reason. And I think we need to co-op them to help police the problem. Uh, you know, I, I agree that Egypt and Jordan should be involved. Um, as you point out, um, first of all, right now, neither of them are allowing refugees you got you know, AOC and so we got to let them into America. Well, how about you let them into their neighbors? Um, the concern I have or the, the cold water to throw on that is Egypt and Jordan's position is not new. You know, we, they, they talk about the Palestinian land. The Palestinians have been the orphans of the Middle East since before Israel was created. That's correct. They, you know, so... Um, the 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 problem you have with that is is you have two countries that basically uh, said uh, no, you stay out. Now they've got the one thing they've got is now they've got Israel they can use as a political uh, whipping post to say it's all Israel's fault. No, it's not. Now the question is how do you get Egypt and Jordan to say they're our neighbors? We have to deal with them somehow. Um, that's going to be the tricky part because we're, sadly we're looking for a military solution to a a social and religious problem, and you know I, I think uh, uh, I don't think you're going to get Egypt and Jordan 
until you deal with the social and religious issue, then maybe you could find that uh, um, they could help in the solution rather than sitting back and just watching the chaos. I agree to a point, but Egypt and Jordan seem to have gotten over the social and religious issue by recognizing and having full diplomatic relations with Israel. And they did that because U.S. presidents pushed for that. And the Abraham Accords came about because a very strong U.S. president removed the Palestinian veto from the peace process and Mm -hmm. dealt with all the Arab countries himself and told the Palestinians, tough, you don't have a seat at the table. I would posit that if we get the right administration holding a stick in Washington, D.C., I would bet that the Jordanians and the Egyptians would fall all over themselves to help us out on this. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I agree that the, the fact that they, that Trump got the, the basically said, Palestinians, if you're not going to accept anything, if you're just going to veto everything, go away, I'll make deals where I can. Um, I don't know that that dealt with the religious and uh, uh, the religious problem or the social problem. You have to remember, you're dealing with the, the Sunni-Shia differences, mm-hmm. um, which is very much a part of not just, it's not just their religion, it's their culture, it's their way of life. It, it's as much a part of their society as, as, as apple pie and hot and hot dogs on the 4th of July are here in the United States. Um, I think those countries made their decision in their own self-interest, um, but I, I don't think that the um, the religious and social have actually been dealt with. I think they've basically been stuffed into a corner, and but that's not dealing with the problem. Or they have been dealt with. They may have been dealt with and leveraged. We know, you know, the, the Iranians are Shia. Mm-hmm. The Saudis are mostly Sunni. Now, mm-hmm. they've got those Wahhabi guys running around as, as part of the Sunnis, but they're still mostly Sunni. And I think it's in the best interest of the Jordanians and the Egyptians and the Saudis to keep the Shia in check, because that, that, that puts Iran in check, because they're really scared of Iran. And if Iran gets nukes, you know, all bets are off. And, oh, and I think we, we leveraged this, right? And, and Trump was able to do that. And, you know, were we in a Trump administration right now, none of this stuff would be happening. In fact, there, there, there might already be some sort of police force in Gaza right now, keeping that under control. I would, you know, you that, know, that's alternative history, but, you know. Yeah. I mean, you agree, and I tend to agree. The problem is, do the Egyptians, Jordanians, and Saudis agree? Or, uh, uh, you know, and I, you know, the problem I the only problem I have is if it's a an American president keeping peace in the Middle East every four years that now becomes a uh, a political point and what happens when it's not a strong president what happens when it's not a a when it's not a a, a Trump but it's a Biden or even worse it's a Bush well this is this is where my <laughs> touche <thing was> <laughs> My yeah, comment. The thing you said to, about about American presidents. The uh, there's a reason why why foreign policy was net with the Constitution does not place foreign policy in the hands of the president. It doesn't. Tell me more. Well, again, Congress is in charge of 
um, most of the relations with foreign nations. They deal with uh, questions of international law. They do. They are responsible for um, uh, how we deal with their money. We sign treaties that have to be done with the advice and consent of the Senate. We don't. We didn't want one man setting our foreign policy because that man's going to change. You turn him into a king, into a dictator. Right. He's and, supposed and, to be implementing foreign policy, but that policy is supposed to be established by law and by treaty, not by political partisanship or even uh, personal preference. Right. And now, and the way we operate now, we operate with a, uh, um, I, 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 I had a word for it in my book and I, and I just lost it. Um, <laughs> we, we have an executive that's just completely overreaching yes. and doing whatever they want. They, <sighs> We have an unchecked executive who thinks that that the president can do all of the foreign policy and pick and choose what what uh, what laws they want to enforce. And we, we have a president that thinks he's a king. Well, not not just this president. I don't think no. he thinks. To tell every you the truth, every but... president in my lifetime, to one extent right. or another, every, thought he's a king. Exactly. Every president in our lifetime. All right, Tom in Florida on line three. Welcome to the show, Tom. Yeah, hey, good day. Yeah, good day, gentlemen. Good evening. Uh, first off, uh, the breaking news is that uh, Robert Menendez's wife is just uh, pleading for a plea deal. So, uh, you know, it's kind of funny. You got a Democrat woman uh, whose husband is a senator. He's going to probably be next. He's going to have to plea or go to jail, whatever. Then you had Sidney Powell cave in today, and they're going to give her six misdemeanor charges, and she better never go back into Georgia or whatever. And, you know, she better roll over on other people in the Republican Party. You were about to uh, – this whole thing is a giant cabal. But, you know, guys, I, 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 the reason I called the show is, you know, I'm hearing you guys going back and forth with Israel and uh, Jordan and, and the uh, Palestinians. In the meantime, you know, I don't know if you guys noticed, but 76% of all the males coming through our border are men, military age. They don't speak English. Uh, they're coming in here. They're going to get 1% business loans. A uh, Biden administration is going to do like they do with the Cubans when they came here. And now, let me tell you, uh, just so you guys know, on the Miami-Dade County Commission, there's zero, I'm going to repeat that word, zero white American representation. There's not a white woman or a white male on the Miami-Dade Caucasian on Miami-Dade County Commission. They're Hispanic or Haitian. Just so you know, that's the model, the microcosm of things to come. They're going to fill it up, this country up like a bottle, put a cork on it, watch it explode. Okay? That's what they're going to do here. Now, it's going back to, uh, and, you know, you guys are talking about Israel and the Gaza and all that, the Palestinians, yeah, nobody wants those Palestinians. That's like nobody wants in this country, nobody, not an American citizen, want MS-13, but they're here. MS-13's in this country, gentlemen, and one county alone, I believe it's in Los Angeles, they have over 190,000 gang members that are not illegally here, supposed to be here. So what does that tell you guys? I'd like to have an answer on that from one of you guys. I'd like to also hear, um, you know, we, we got a country now that's looking more like Bosnia, Herzegovina with the different languages, Okay. Pretty soon, you're, you're going to have splintering groups of uh, uh, regions of this country where every ethnic group is going to want their own enclave. You've got to understand what they're trying to do here. Okay? It's a Zionist occupational government, and there's Shabbos going stooges that are allowing this. And they're controlling our. Look, one guy called on uh, uh, Jim's show yesterday, he gave you a figure from Los Angeles. They're supposedly what he, and I kind of agree with him, there's 1.7% of the United States population is Jewish. Okay, and I'm not saying all Jews are bad. There's one wonderful Jews. Look at Mark Levin. I like Michael. Sa- I like a lot of Jews. Matter of fact, I'm a Jew for Jesus. That's what I tell you. 
But here's the deal. When you got these people having uh, such a hatred in their heart for any Christians, we're in a big problem, gentlemen. When you have Christianity being uh, brutalized and butchered, it's, it's, it's got to have to lead to something very bad. And I have to say this. Uh, we cannot, we cannot as a nation even get our politics together. You couldn't even elect a guy like Jim Jordan today in the Congress to be a speaker. So who are they going to put in there? Akeem Jeffries, who's embracing Louis Farrakhan and all this all right. other nonsense? I mean, right, our Tom. country's losing no, slow its down, brain. Slow down, Tom. Slow down, Tom. Okay, down. I, I, I have to pump out the information because I'm, you know, I, I drink a little cheap <laughs> coffee, I, you know. Can I address the, the influx with you're, Tom there? You're, you're running. You're yeah, running. You ask, you ask for us to comment on something. And I, the first thing yeah, I want to say is we can't talk about everything every show. Uh, I try to pick one or two topics and talk about one or okay. two topics per show. Okay. Tonight, right. it's, it's, I want to talk about the speakership here shortly with, with Mr. Engel. And with, okay. with Colonel, we were talking about his idea for an Israeli solution. The, the southern right. border is a disaster. Our president is not enforcing our laws. He should be impeached for not for not enforcing our laws. He's not supporting and defending the Constitution as he swore to do. Yeah. There's, there's a lot going on. Is it intentional? Are they intentionally bringing all of these people in to destroy the country? I don't think it matters whether it's intentional or not. They're doing it. We've got to get a That's stop correct. to it, intentional or not. And that's one of the things that that I agree with. It's just not part of the topic of this show. Well, can I say something about the Israeli situation, sir? Sure. I believe they, that they, they've been going on for 2,000 years, the Arabs and the mm-hmm. Jews. you got to remember, they're half-brothers. They had the same father, Abraham. It's all biblical. It's all in the Bible. They had the same DNA. Their DNA is basically almost the same, half of it. And they still hate each other. There's not going to be no change in the next 1,000 years coming up. I don't believe, unless uh, it could lead off to all-out nuclear war. I don't know. I hope not. But I can tell you, it's going on for thousands of years. And you know what? They shoot you, you shoot me, and that's how they are always going to be, those those people. they I don't believe they're ever going to get along. They, you know, it's all about land. It's about wealth. And, I, I, you know, being half-brothers, I believe they are. I like to hear your guys call, uh, thought off air. Uh, you know, they're, they're from the same father in the Bible in the Old Testament called Abraham. And you know what? They still, to this day, won't admit that they're half-brothers. And until they start meeting, they were blood-related with DNA. I don't think they're ever going to get along. I think it's only going to get worse and worse. It's an all-out nuclear war. And it's going to probably be predicted Armageddon. Armageddon. That's what's in the Bible, the New Testament. And I believe that's in uh, Revelations. And I believe Revelations is coming to pass right now. And that's all I basically got to say about that. Israeli situation, you're, you're ain't stopping it. You ain't nobody stopping it but God. It's all in God's hands. That's what I got right. saying. Thank you for taking the call, and God bless you all. Have a great day. Well, thank you, Tom. And, and I think Tom ended on a pretty good note, that he's right. The, the, the Jews and the Muslims, they, they both descended from Abraham. So why, And it has been 2,000 years of fighting in, in, in that region of the world, which is why I say, why are we involved? Well, you're right. You know, you go back, you know, 6,000 years, they were, they, they've been fighting from the beginning. Have you ever seen a, a blood feud as ugly as one that happens in a family? Have you ever seen, a, you know, a, a grudge held like they're held amongst a family? 
Civil wars are the bloodiest. <laughs> right. Civil wars are always the bloodiest. The, the, oh, Hatfield, yes. the Hatfields and the McCoys that went after each other for, what is it, like 75 years over a goat? Yeah. <laughs> but well, it was it, a pretty it, goat, so there is that. <laughs> But the the, the he, he ended it with an interesting question: Why are we involved? Um, and and initially the idea was: Remember when Israel was formed in forty eight? Nobody recognized him until the United States did. Yeah, but and but the but, United States recognized him what twelve minutes after they signed the papers to make a country. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the point is we were we were the ones that said yeah they after the Holocaust they deserve their land back. Here you go. The problem is, uh, from my standpoint, um, I think a lot of it is there are a lot of moneyed interests in the Middle East. No. I mean, you've got you've got oil. Israel has some you know, has a, a tremendous tech sector. Um, it has a tremendous pharmaceutical center, and people have an interest in Israel existing. Well, and not to mention just the, the historical. Oh yeah. So there, there are. We have an emotional attachment. We have a financial attachment. We have a historical attachment. And let's face it: if your best buddy gets a jumped in a parking lot, are you not going to jump in and help him? And that's kind of where we're stuck. But where we are now is our best buddy gets jumped in a parking lot every time we walk out the front door, and we keep helping him. At this point, we are enabling him to continue to get jumped. And we have a solution oh. for that. And the solution is, and I'll, I'll toss this one to Tom, is you have to put the, you're talking about enablers. You have to get the people that have skin in the game to deal with the problem so it doesn't show up on our shore or, in our case, have to say U.S. troops to Israel. We we're talking about the problem at our southern border. Donald Trump looked up all the treaties that we signed about refugees, and he came up with, wow, there's a thing called first safe country, which essentially means that the only person who can apply at a land border of the United States as a refugee would be a Canadian or a Mexican. Yep. Okay, and Tom Trump looked that up by the book and said, yep, that's what we'll do, remain in Mexico, remain in Colombia or wherever. Okay, and it's the same thing, it's the same concept what's going on with Gaza and Israel is have those folks over there deal with that stuff. So have the Egyptians and the Jordanians deal with it and the, and the Saudis and other folks that have a vested interest. Same thing with Mexico and Colombia is you guys need to deal with that stuff. Cause when it shows up on our border, we're going to send them right back to you. So that's how you deal with that to, 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 to keep us from being actively involved. You have to get the key players in the region involved to make them do what they're supposed to be doing. And okay. for that, you need a, you need I, a I, strong U.S. administration. All right, all right. Before we I move agree, on. but I also think we need to turn around and stop saying, "Okay, Israel, this guy just bunt, uh, a punch in the nose, kidney punched you, uh, kicked you in the groin, uh, give him a slap on the wrist, and turn your back." Yeah, no, that's the other right. part of it. Is we no, no, you need to turn them loose. They need to be Hold able on. to fight. You're right. Yes. Hold agree. On. My blood pressure is going crazy, so I uh, I think it's a great time to tell you about the wellness company. <laughs> <laughs> the wellness company twc.health use code lighthouse while you're there great american-made supplements great doctors pharmacists pharmacological doctors great people who actually believe in your uh well your medical well-being as well as your medical independence 
doctors that listen to what you want, not what people like any Anthony Fauci tell you, you, you should want. So doctors and pharmacists who actually believe in listening to the patient, it's a novel idea these days. TWC.health, use code lighthouse. I'm just tired of being involved as a country. I'm tired of my tax money going to fight wars all around the country, all around the world. And especially when it's this, the same area over and over and over again. Like the Middle East has been in, in war since the fall of the Ottoman Empire. Why do we keep sending money, sending our blood and treasure? When Does it really matter where the line is on the freaking map at this point? Let, let them work it out. I don't care. Sorry. I, I, you know, I, I understand. And to a certain extent, I, I mean, I agree. The, uh, the, the problem is, like I said, people have a moneyed interest. They have an emotional interest. And, but they also have, there, there's also, um, they're also in direct conflict with the anti-Semitic desires in this country that we're more, we're more than happy to watch the, the, the Hamas, Hezbollah, and all the others, you know, push Israel into the sea. The, the, it, it's not an, it's not something we're going to answer in a one hour program. We it, looking well, for peace in the Middle East has program. been a problem for centuries. We're not figuring it out here today. You got that right. <laughs> <laughs> and that is exactly my point. I don't we know we're not going to fix it. We know we're not going to solve it as, as Americans. You know, the other side of the globe, literally. Well, we took on the role as America's policeman. After World War II, we just refused to let the rest of the world grow up and take care of themselves. Yeah, we should never have taken on that role. Well, we were the only one left standing, so yeah, you know, they, they kind of that was one of those things that just happened. But why? Uh, but, but we why, should. Why, why does there need to be a world police force? Let whatever country fight it out with whatever country that they want to fight it out with by themselves. We had. Breathe. Washington's farewell address. I, I mentioned this at the opening of the show. Yep. Washington's farewell address where he lists out many warnings for our country, one of which was avoiding foreign interests. And now we say, or foreign entanglements was the word he used. And and now we're like, well, it was different back in the 18th century. Was it really, though? There were, there were trade agreements in the 18th century. There were mutual defense agreements in the 18th century. The only thing different is it moves faster. It used to be that, oh, my God, my neighbor attacked me and you said you'd help. But it takes six months before you get the notice that they attacked me. Now we know instantaneously. That's the only thing that has changed. All of the different kinds of treaties and agreements and all the BS that is causing the world's problems today all existed in the 18th century. And Washington said, avoid all that crap. And he was right. But most Americans didn't listen. Most Americans said, listen, this is the greatest country that's ever been. This is the greatest systems. You should be exactly like me. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of the problem with the foreign entanglements is we want everyone else to look just like us. And I'll give you a perfect example of that. When uh, when we knocked out the Taliban in Afghanistan. You got less than 60 seconds. Okay, we wanted to create a really quick democracy there. So we got one person, one vote. 
as opposed to allowing each tribe to send their choose their reps to the Duma. And that lasted what? 20 minutes? 30 seconds. All right. It's break time. Thank you very much, Colonel Ford, for joining us tonight. We're going to let you go. Hopefully, Mr. Paul Engel, you can stick around for the last segment of the show. We can talk about the speaker race. Three-minute commercial break. At Romica Designs, we're more than just a laser engraving and specialty design company. Much more. I'm Ron Phillips, co-owner of Romica Designs, and we're honored to work with our affiliates like Liberty Lighthouse to bring you professional laser engraving and customization. Great for one-of-a-kind gifts, home decor, business and specialty items, or personalized and logo designs created just for you or your company. Allow Romica Designs and Liberty Lighthouse to become your go-to gift and specialty project partner. Romica Designs can help make your ideas a reality. We're ready to help you design and create that special gift for any occasion or engrave your personal or business logo on just about any product. All you have to do is simply email us with your ideas. We specialize in custom design and we'd be honored to have the opportunity to discuss it with you. Visit us on the web at romicadesigns.com and use promo code LIGHTHOUSE during checkout to support Liberty Lighthouse with Peter Serafine. I'm Peter Serafine, and this is the final segment of tonight's show. We got Paul Engel from Constitu- ConstitutionStudy.com. I keep wanting to put the the in front of your website. I know it's not there, but that's what makes me stumble <laughs> at the beginning all the time. Because the show is the Constitution, the Constitution Study. study yes. The website is ConstitutionStudy.com. I'm going to have to buy that domain name just so it make your life easier. Well, that would be Could you do that, please? <laughs> Because now I know it's not there, but I still want to put it there, which makes yeah. me stumble over my words as I go to say it. Like the, 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 the oh, sure, it's all my website's fault. I understand now. Yeah. Yes, it's your website's <laughs> fault. <laughs> Why can't you have continuity and consistency between your website name and your show name? No, it's just like the dash in my website. My website is Liberty Dash Lighthouse dot com. Because somebody owns LibertyLighthouse dot com, and they want like three thousand dollars for it. And I'm like, nope. So I put a dash. (sighs) Did we have enough Israel discussion? Because I really hate the Israel discussion. Yeah, I got no problem with that. We can move on. I I really, really. Like I said, we're not solving peace in the Middle East tonight, so. Yeah. (sighs) Well, let's talk about the speaker thing. Oh, another war going on. Yeah. Yeah, another war. (laughs) Before we move on to that. Okay. Your idea of impeachment, I'm a big believer that impeachment should have been used far more often than it is. Oh, yeah. And that the word misdemeanor, treason, bribery, treason, high crimes, and and misdemeanors. And misdemeanors. And if you look up the word misdemeanor in, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, the 18- Blackstone? No, 18- Webster. Yeah, Webster's, yeah, Webster's 1828. It's like... Yeah. Bad things that don't rise to the level of crime. Yep. 
okay, so you can impeach somebody for something that's just bad, even if it's not criminal. Right. For example, like like violating your oath of office. Yeah. 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 The um, uh, the Thomas Jefferson warned that uh, impeachment would become a scarecrow, that it basically would become a political tool, which is exactly did. Um, Because, again, we trained we lost that idea of a misdemeanor. Misdemeanor became started becoming a, 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 a crime, not a bad crime, but a crime. Um, and we've lost that understanding. I mean, I, I can't remember the guy's name. There were judges that were impeached for being federal judges for being intoxicated mm-hmm. while off duty. Yeah. Uh, there were, uh, I believe there was even a judge impeached for, um, was it for, I don't want to say diso- for basically for disobeying Congress for looking at a law saying, and, and, Ignoring the law for his, I mean, that there's a history of that probably would make a good article or book. Now you think of it, of the history of impeachment and understanding its role in keeping uh, elected representatives, um, elected representative and other government officials accountable to things like their oath. What? No, we don't need that. Well, I mean, the people don't won't do it. We won't hire people that will do it because that's the other part of the problem. You think about impeachment. Um, when was the last time you saw a member of the House of Representatives run on impeaching somebody? Uh, it was the Democrats running on impeaching Trump. Right. Now you look at some of the impeachments that that have come out. Marley, Marjorie Taylor Greene has uh, submitted a couple of articles, and they're political moves. Mm-hmm. They're, um, you know, you look at it and say, okay, is it bribery, treason, a high crime? None of those. Is it a misdemeanor? You're more talking about political stuff than you are actual <laughs> bad behavior. I'll give you and that. No. The, well, the problem I have with it is you've got the bribery. The bribery is like right there. Uh, you know, you've got the, the high crime. It's right there, yet they're piddling over um, uh, 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 some of the uh, misdemeanors and who decides when a misdemeanor is bad enough to impeach a president It's the house of representatives, but right. our representatives don't do it. So they didn't impeach uh, Hillary Clinton. They didn't impeach um, uh, who was Obama's attorney general. Um, drawing blank on his name. I don't know. Lois Lerner. You say he, Obama. He was, he was cited for contempt of Congress. They never even tried to impeach him. They never even tried because it's a it turned into a political game. Well, what, have, have you um are you familiar with Lloyd Brunson in his case? Uh, the Brunson brothers out of yes. Italy? I'm like um I if it's what I'm thinking. Of, yes. Okay. Their whole case stems on uh, Article 6 of the Constitution. Senators and representatives before mentioned and members of the several state legislators, all executive and judicial officers, both of the United States and of the several states, shall be bound mm-hmm. by oath or affirmation to support and defend the Constitution of the United States, et cetera, et cetera. If there's no punishment for not following your oath, what's, what's the binding? It says bound by oath. There has to be a punishment. Yeah. And uh, it was supposed to be things impeachment. like impeachment, <laughs> loss of office. Uh, let's face it. You know, what, how can you tell when a politician is lying? 
their lips are moving. Yet the American people not only knowingly hire liar, cheats, and thieves, the ones that do it the best, we keep around the longest. Yeah. So as often as we're pointing the fingers at the, the members of the, of the representatives and the administration, remember that all comes down to the people in the, in the voting booth deciding who's going to represent them and will they hold them accountable to their oath or office or not. Because if you're not willing, if you're not willing to to vote someone out of office, that it, I don't care because they're a, a donkey or an elephant, even though they've they've um, committed a federal crime, if you're not willing to vote them out for that, then what does it matter? Then we don't have, you know, we, we we have less of a republic, and what we have is a political grudge match. It That's might as well really- be political mud fighting. That is a great way of looking at it. A political grudge match. That has yes. is basically Which, what it's come down to. Which Mr. Washington also warned us about mm-hmm. in the his farewell address. Factions, I think, was the word he yep. used. The uh, spirit of dissent, uh, st- uh, common in uh, um, I forget the names are on a blank. I've I've got it quoted somewhere, but I, yeah, the spirit event, uh, the spirit of revenge natural to party dissension is its own frightful despotism. But he had a um, well, the idea at the time was that. Because of the vastness of our country, that factions would would fizzle out before they would form. Of course, <laughs> of course, he didn't understand or know about telephones or even telegraphs back then, or internet <laughs> or whatever. So the the speed of communication uh, it was a fallacy to begin with. The factions started in, in, at the beginning. You remember the eighteen hundred oh, yeah. election. Oh yeah, the presidential election where you ended up with a a federalist and the anti-federalist as as president and vice president. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hence the eleventh amendment. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was it? I forget how many how many times did the House have to vote. Twelfth amendment. Twelfth amendment. Not eleventh. How many 12th how amendment. many times did they have to vote in the eighteen? The House have to vote in the eighteen hundred election like thirty five times or something yeah, like I, that. I don't. It was it was ugly. Yeah, it was really. Ugly. It also led to the first attempt to pack the courts. It just wasn't the Supreme Court. <laughs> yep, it was. You're you are absolutely correct. Okay, so let's go back to the current nonsense in the House of Representative. Mm-hmm. So we got Matt Gates stands up and says, uh, "I declare the speakership vacant." It goes to a public floor vote, which was which was the rule for a really long time that any one person could stand up and say that, and then they had to vote on it. And I think, I, I, as it was at one, was originally a small group. The, the big change came when Pelosi changed it to, it had to come from leadership. Yeah, right. right. So Pelosi, Pelosi really changed the rules. Right. Um, it may have been, you know, three the first yeah. time around or whatever. Yeah, something like that, yeah. yeah. It was something very small. Not a very high bar. To at no. least call for the vote. No. Which so Matt Gates makes stands sense. up, calls for the vote, and it passes. And now we got McHenry as the temporary or the, the acting the acting speaker, right? And let's see. Not quite acting speaker, but kind yeah. of filling some of that role, yes. All right. So first we got Steve Scalise who fails. Mm-hmm. Then Jim Jordan tries twice and fails. Both times. Now, St- Steve Scalise and Jim Jordan have both said that they're not running for 
again. And uh, okay, and I hadn't heard about I hadn't heard about Jordan bowing out. Yeah, I just heard that today. Okay, he's now supporting a move to give more power to the Speaker Pro Tem and basically make him acting Speaker for the rest of the year. And this is the constitutional question I have for you. Mm-hmm. Because, um, I don't know, is that constitutional? Is that legal? Uh, Can we have a speaker that wasn't elected by the members of the House? The House gets to choose how they choose their speaker. It's completely within their purview. Right. Um, they get they get to decide. Um, but my point rules... No, okay, so but they, that's it. They set the rules for how you choose a speaker. So, now, so I'm not so familiar with those rules because I'm not playing the, the petty party politics that has that the speaker uh the speaker fight has become. Right. This is but, but, this is this is a, a, a Republican pissing match. Right. And and um the the the, the I don't I'm not upset with Gates for what he did, because what we saw was McCarthy was acting like every other Republican speaker, and that is refuse to stand up for the principles of the, uh, that the, the, the Republicans wanted. Right. He made a promise. He refused to keep it. He was more than willing to deal. His idea of governing is we had to pass something. I don't care what ton of garbage it is. Yeah. We had to pass something. And that has been doing for decades, and that has led to this mess. So the question is, can we find another one? Everything since then I have heard, every discussion, every debate, politician, pundit, it, it's a question of, um, it's nothing about, it's all about party politics. It's nothing about actually governing. No. There's You're nothing absolutely in here right. going, wait a second, we, we have appropriations bill by law. Congress has to pass a budget. We aren't doing that. Yeah, but that we haven't passed the budget it. since, what, 2003? It's it's ridiculous. And finally, when you've got a handful, just a handful, of, of Republicans saying, if you're not going to do the job you said you were going to do, we will fire you and find somebody else. Right. And ever since, it's political infighting. I don't like you because, well, by kicking McCarthy out, now you make the Republicans look bad. Uh, you know, I'm not going to support Scalise because I don't like him. I liked McCarthy. I'm not going to support Jordan. It's all petty. I mean, they might as well be a bunch of mean girls in high school. And that's, <laughs> as, and, and that's about as much respect as I have for the entire process so far. Because not one person has I, have I had said, listen, we took an oath to the American people to represent them. We promise to do things, and if we cannot find one person out of this entire group that we believe, that, that we trust to actually move what the American people have told us we, to do forward, to actually fulfill our oaths of office, then we don't deserve the, the, the office of representative. They don't, they don't deserve it because they're more interested in their petty partisan politics the per- they're more interested in the person than they are in, in somebody that would actually get the job done that right. would actually say democrats if you're not going to vote for an appropriations bill then you're not voting for an appropriations bill and when the government shuts down we're going to make sure 
We don't care about the news media. We know they're going to lie about it. We're going to make sure every one of your constituents knows that they're not getting their services because you refuse to come to the table and negotiate. If you're not going to, you know, you have to, what you have to do the, uh, was it Teddy Roosevelt? Speak softly. You got to carry that big stick. But all right, let's, let's talk about it. The McHenry thing for a second though. Mm -hmm. So the house makes their own rule of how they, how they come up with their speaker. So if they want to give McHenry this temporary power of speaker until the, until January Mm -hmm. without him being elected to the job, that's, that would have to go through the rules committee. And get past I don't know it. the I don't know the details of the rule in uh, that as they currently stand. I, I don't study the, the 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 partisan nonsense they call the, the the house rules. Most of the house rules are more about partisan politics than they are right. about running the house. So I don't know if it passes the rules or not. Let's face it: this house hasn't follow followed the rules for twenty years. Mm-hmm. Do you really think they're going to start worrying about that now? Good point. These are a bunch of these are a bunch of spoiled brat children th- throwing a temper tantrum. It's time to say, fine. If this is how you're going to treat our pr- your promise to us, if this is how you're going to treat us as your employers, you're fired. Yeah, we definitely need a lot more of that. Yeah, the, uh, it, absolutely. It, it really bothers me how many people in Washington D.C especially the elected people rarely mention the constitution or the constitutional authority to do whatever it is that they're going to do. Or this, they talk about, you know, this law, well, we've got a law that says this. I don't give a crap what your law says if it doesn't line up with the constitution. Yep. And they do it all the time. The whole. (sighs) Well, like we said, when do they pay a price for such arrogance? They don't. And that's, See, Tennessee has, uh, and actually I've, I've been re-engaging with this, Tennessee proposed a bill in the last session, and they're going to re- re-propose it in the next session, to set a procedure for Tennessee to nullify federal actions, unconstitutional federal actions. Okay. You say, no, we didn't authorize you, you can't do it here, period, end of story. We won't help. Um, the one thing I'd love to see is I'd love to see situations where they put teeth behind it. We're not going to do it, and we won't let you do it either. Right. There's a two levels of, of, uh, of, but we need more states to start saying, hey, we put rules on here. I just sent an email. Our, the Speaker of our House and our Lieutenant Governor have formed a working group, working group, mm-hmm. to look at whether or not Tennessee should continue to accept federal education funds. I sent them an email going, I want to be involved. I want to be, I want to be, do you want, I will speak to you. I'll testify. I want to know what's going on because as a constitutional scholar and a Tennessee citizen, I'm extremely interested in this particular topic. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping I can get someone to answer my eternal question about education funding. Is the juice worth the squeeze? Has anybody actually looked and see what does it cost to implement all the federal regulations compared to the money? If the no. federal government's going to hold money over your head if you don't do this, then is it actually worth it? Well, I mean, come on. You know as well as I do that since the Federal Department of Education was created in 1980, or I'm sorry, 
created in 1979, went into right. effect in 1980. <laughs> we, we have increased the amount of money we spend per student at, while sim- simultaneously watching our test scores go down. We, have, we spend more money per pupil than any country in the world except one. I forget which one. One of the Scandinavian countries spends a little bit more than we do. But yet we continue to slide down the, the, the rankings as how smart our graduates are. So clearly the, Department, the Federal Department of Education, not only being unconstitutional, is also incompetent. Well, you're surprised? No, I'm not. I'm just saying, this I mean, is, like, the, why aren't more states doing what you're what you're saying Tennessee's looking at? Um, part of it is ignorance. All right, we've been brainwashed into believing whatever Congress says goes. We've been brainwashed into believing the federal government involved, should be involved in that. We've been brainwashed into these things. Um, the other problem is fear. What happens when think of your state legislator and you're looking at a law like, hey, let's tell the federal government to go pound sand. (laughs) Let's say they pass the federal government goes pound sand. And of course, they're going to be pilloried by every media outlet from Maine to Southern California. How many people, how many of them think, gee, I wonder if my constituents are going to support me in this? A lot of them think that. See, we're more than willing to attack them. We never support them when they're right. We also, they're all, you have to know that they're also thinking, oh, 30% of our budget comes from federal grants. If we tell them to go pound sand on this issue over here, what's going to happen to our money coming in over here? Which is why I want that question answered. Because if they're, if 30% of your budget is uh, comes from the government grants, but 40% of your, of your budget is spent on fulfilling government federal regulations, the math turns out real easy real quick. Yeah, good point. Right? But, you know, again, they're, they're greedy. It's not their money. They don't care. Uh, but many of them, even the ones that would consider it, most of them probably feel like they're standing alone in the middle of the battle because nobody stands with them. Yeah. You know, when I, when I talk to my sheriff about protecting my rights, when he said that he trains his deputies that their first and primary responsibility is to protect the rights of everybody there, my immediate response was, what can I do to help? Right. I will help train. I will write a position paper. I will be at a press conference. I'll help testify before a committee. If you're supporting, if you're protecting my rights, I will support you. I said the same thing to, um, I said the same thing to uh, one of my, my state rep um, when we were dealing with our, you know, three little bad children in the Tennessee House of Representatives. I said, if you stand up, I'll stand with you. How can I help? Um, we need, I think we need to be more, we need to be a little less lazy when it comes to, Absolutely. when it comes to supporting our representatives, when they do the, you got to punish the, the bad employee when they do something wrong. You got to give them a carrot when they do something right. And we just don't do that. We don't, we don't stand up at all. Like, by and large, the people in our country have been beaten down to the point that they don't even care. They're they're apathetic and they just let the government walk all over. I mean, come on, look at look at the COVID restriction nonsense. That was clearly unconstitutional. And 
90 percent of us went along with it yeah i got called i i was told i wanted to kill grandma for pointing mm-hmm. out that uh you know no i don't have to do business with this company if they want me to to get a shot i i refuse to fly because i was waiting for the airlines to say you have to get a shot but i was called all sorts of names wait a second turns out i'm right I wonder how many of those people that, that called me names when I was pointing out the, the lack of evidence that masks work, that the, that the vaccine works. The, the, not one of them has come back and said, Paul, you're right. We're sorry. No, and they won't. No. They never will. No. One of the things that you talked about, you, you support your sheriff because your sheriff says that he teaches all of his deputies to support, that their first job is to support your rights. That's my first question to anybody wanting my vote. It, my, my first question to anybody asking for my vote is, what is the purpose of government? And ah. if they give any answer other than to secure the rights of our citizens, then you don't get my vote. You're wrong. That's the only acceptable answer. That is the foundation of why we are a country, is we threw off every other form of government in the world and said, you know what? Rights come from God. They come to us. And we elect people like you to protect them. And if you can't that answer that one question, you don't deserve to be in government. Then these rights, governments are instituted among men. Right. I do something a little differently. I asked them, I said, show me where you fulfilled your oath to support the Constitution when it cost you something. Yeah. Because I'm, 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 I'm past words. I need actions. And if, if all you can do is tell me, uh, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm a Republican. I'm a conservative. Wrong answer. No, that's not. You've no. lost. You've it, lost before you even your, started. Oh, I'm a conservative. What are you trying to conserve? If your answer is not how the Constitution, you, you're wrong. How do you define a conservative? How many people argue about what a conservative means? Saying you're conservative isn't doing something. No, it's not. And, right. uh, you know, what's funny, from my point of view, when it comes to political parties, a pox on both their houses. I agree. I, I heard I, that show of yours recently. I've, I've, oh, yeah. So, well, what's interesting is the my county GOP has had me come to speak to them several times. Um, they actually asked me to help them. Their chair asked me to help them um, draft a document that he wanted everybody to agree to from a constitutional standpoint. Um, uh, but I mean, they've asked me to, and I've been more than willing to. Democrats haven't heard anything from them I've, i mean I've, I've i've actually reached out a couple of times and says do you want me to, i will be more than willing to come and talk about the constitution all right now i do, personally i don't care and i tell my uh, and I, I i tell every elected official i've met at all these meetings listen a pox on both your houses because as soon as you put the donkeys and elephants above the constitution from that point, from that point on, you violated your oath of office, and I really don't care what you say. If I can't trust you to keep a promise, I can't trust you. You know, <laughs> I couldn't trust you to 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 drive my car, babysit my child, who's now twenty four years old. Uh, but <laughs> you know, I can't trust you. And if I can't trust you, why would I? If if I can't trust you to keep your promise, why would I trust you with anything else? Yeah. Well, as many times as if I ask politicians on this show. What's the purpose of government? I've only had one answer the way I wanted them to answer. Hmm. And that was a that was somebody from the Constitution Party. It was the, o- the only one. Anyway, Paul, before we run out of time, tell people where we can find you. 
Tell us about your show, your stuff, your works, your whatever. Best place to find me is constitutionstudy.com. Uh, I have, I basically went through a, a revamp. The whole website's been revamped. Uh, all my articles, all my videos are there. I've started a news feed. So every night I go through about six, 700 articles, headlines, looking for content for my radio program for whatever. And now the ones I find interesting, I start putting links up on the website. So if people want to follow that, there's, there's there. Uh, I am on America Out Loud Talk Radio every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, you can find out more at americaoutloud.news. It also goes to podcast a day or two later. So you've got the website podcast. You've got the radio station podcast. And now I've just launched the Patriots program. Uh, we've been talking a lot about, you know, what do we do? And we've got a lot of groups that have their own ideas and their own agendas. What I haven't seen is, okay, we need education. We need a way to communicate. We need a way. We need people that are willing to stand up and do something, activate. Mm-hmm. So I created the Patriots program, and it's an invitation only program. The only way you can become a Patriot is if you go to the website, you go through the boot camp, which is a one hour video, you pass the test, you say, Yes, I'm going to read and I'm going to study the Constitution, I'm going to use it to defend my country. Then you can be invited to join us to help all these groups actually have a constitutionally sound point of view. Awesome. I love a constitutionally sound point of view. It'd be nice to see that someplace, anywhere. Anyway, thank you to our guests for joining us this evening. Thank you, Mike, my producer. I couldn't do the show without you. Thank you most of all, listeners and callers, for why we do this show. And until next week, protect your liberty. Once they're gone, there's no getting them back. God bless America. If you call yourself a conservative, I have a question for you. What are you trying to conserve? The $29 trillion national debt and the continued out-of-control spending? The status quo of a bloated and corrupt federal government? The deterioration of a moral society. Become a constitutionalist. Conserve the unalienable rights of we the people and the document that is supposed to restrict our government and protect our rights. Support the Constitution Party, the only nationally recognized political party that stands for the founding principles of the U.S. Constitution. Every point of the Constitution Party platform is tied directly to that founding document which made the United States a great nation. Learn more, join, and support the Constitution Party at ConstitutionParty.com or your state's Constitution Party website. I've been sleeping on a MyPillow pillow for years, and a couple of years ago, I tried the MyPillow towels, soft and absorbent, wonderful bath towels. Recently, I got the My Giza Dream Sheets, and they are by far the best quality bed sheets I've ever owned. Well, the quilt is pretty awesome, too. New products being added all the time at MyPillow.com, including sandals and slides and pajamas and, well, everything that you need for sleeping. Use the code LIGHTHOUSE at MyPillow.com to save yourself up to 66% off. That's the code LIGHTHOUSE at MyPillow.com.